We would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land in which we record this podcast today, the Arakwal people of the Bunjalong Nation, and pay our respects to Elders past and present. Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jake Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums-to-be and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here Here we go. go. Hello, Jade. Hello, Sophie and all our bumpies listening. Are we excited or are we sad that this is our last episode of the year? I feel like I'm excited now, but in two weeks I'll be like, I need to talk and I need someone to listen to me because I'm home with all the children and no one's listening to me. Dear diary. (laughs) Dear diary, please, someone validate my feelings. How are you feeling? Oh, my God. I am exhausted. I feel like it's been a whirlwind since we had our Christmas party last week. It was an absolute hoot. It was so much fun. We had an absolute ball. Me, probably too much of a ball, but, you know, that's what happens. I had to keep somewhat of a lid on it because then I had to back it up the next day Mm. for a friend's miss. So I agree. I am start of this week realising that, Soph, you're in your 30s, you're a mum of three, you can't attend two events back to back (laughs) and think that you can then just get on with life and get on with parenting. And I just think especially at this time of year where everyone is already exhausted but, like, this weird, excited, Mm. just energy is getting about that I'm just like, oh, my gosh. It's great. But also I agree with you. You can't bring a 10 if you've got to do two things in a row. You've got Mm. to go, I'm going to give that a five or I'm going to give Mm. it a six and then the next day is going to be the like four because – I just don't have enough energy to give. We're too old. We're too old my and we have too sore. many responses. I, my I got feet. bruises after my I feet. leant on the piano bar the other night and that was just <laughs> listening to the listening. To I the think music. you did more than lean on the piano bar that might have led to a few bruises, <laughs> but, yep, yep, sure. But, I no, I will say I'm going to miss our bumpies and I hope our bumpies miss us. This is our last episode until the end of January. Yes. But I do, I'm reflecting back and I'm thinking, Look, end of January this year, I had a child and I didn't actually take any time off. So I am ready to take some time off. I'm a little bit nervous because it is our first kind of go at school holidays. Our kids have their last day of daycare today and then they're both starting at the same kind of school and preschool next year. So they're finishing tomorrow, they're off for Christmas and then they're off until we go back, you know, when school 
starts at the end of January. And we've never had that before. We've always sent the kids to, I guess, you know, a, a daycare setting where there are no holidays. And so I'm really excited to, I guess, spend this time and like feel super lucky that I'm having this time off work as well to be able to spend with them. But I also know that there are going to be many days where I am like, oh shit, this is what being a school mum is like. So I'll probably be calling you saying help. I need activities. What on (laughs) I have no I need help all the time. That is literally it was two days in, like it's it's what? Whatever day it is. And I was like how are you all fighting? Like you were all <laughs> fighting and screaming at each other over a hairbrush. How are we going to cope until the end of January? So anyway, our heart goes out to everyone. We hope that everyone has such a Merry Christmas if you celebrate it. We Be hope safe. you have a Happy New Year. We hope you miss us. We hope you have silly times and fun times and there's no annoying drunk uncle that says the wrong thing on Christmas Day or if he does, I hope you can somewhat laugh it off. Put it in. Into a root or fabulous so we can use it. We want to utilize yeah. all your your highs and your lows. So make sure you've got them. And also, if you do miss us, pop a review on the podcast. <laughs> and you know, let us know how you're feeling. Cause Sophie gets bored sometimes and she might just have a little scroll. No, I don't read the stars. reviews anymore, but Jade can read the reviews. I'm not gonna ruin my Christmas by reading <laughs> negative reviews. And I will say that we have some exciting news in this podcast that I think, you know, we really hope our bumpies are pumped about. And basically all I'm going to say until we get into the episode is if you do miss us over our break, you are going to be having twice as much of us for the first bit of next year. So we will well and truly make up for lost time. Yes, we will. And this is quite a long episode, this one. So I reckon we should yeah, kind I think it's, got, into it's it. self-explanatory. We we do the intro. We don't need a crap on any more than we are now. <laughs> we are tired. We are burnt out. Merry Christmas. Very delirious. And enjoy our last episode, Bumpies. We love you, Bumpies, and Happy New Year. And we will see you in 2024. <laughs> Hello, La, and welcome back to Beyond the Bump podcast. Now, we have you on for a couple of reasons today, both equally as exciting, but maybe the first one's even more exciting. You are here today to chat with us and for our beautiful Bumpies to get to know you because they are going to be hearing a little bit more of you next year. We are super excited to announce that we are launching a mini series next year that you will be a part of. Hang on, let's just let them take that in a mini series <laughs> a spin-off what I was like be? what do I need to take a breath what could it be what Shut could up, we bitch. possibly do so La oh, yes introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what is coming next year hello bumpies hello Sophie and Jade thank you for having me back can't believe it's been two years or more since I've been here with you guys talking yeah so basically I was walking to Woolworths one day, pushing the pram. And I was going through my messages, talking to some people who I've been in contact with since our last episode together, where we spoke about my journey with recurrent miscarriage. And I was, as I always am, like so happy and so like 
heartbreakingly engaged with still people who are on that journey. And so I was answering some DMs and talking to some women who, you know, just reach out about the struggles they're in with. Maybe they've had a miscarriage or they listened to our episode together. And I thought, like, God, I so miss being in a space where I can speak to this on a bigger level and be of a greater help and actually be like a voice in someone's ear. I'm sure you've heard this saying before, but there's a saying that I really like that's like there's a person out there with a wound in the shape of your words. So I myself being on that journey felt like there was nothing more impactful to me than to be able to have someone speak genuinely about their experience, not be an expert, but just like speak to what I was going through. So all of that to say, I already had worked with Sophie and Jade on some other things with Beyond the Bump. And so we had a group chat and I just audioed them and said, hey guys, don't kill me for this weird idea. This is just like <laughs> so strange. Well, we're not that bad. <laughs> yeah, how scary are we? A bit scary. <laughs> no, I just didn't want to come across like I was like coming with this great engineered plan to like come in on what you'd already created, which is a massive, incredible help for women. So I was like, look, tell me if this is just a dumb idea. Like I'm not married to it, but what if we did a spin-off series called Before the Bump <laughs> at the time? That's was the name we were going with, (laughs) which made a lot of sense for us. And we shared women's stories. We told about the struggles people on with not only recurrent miscarriage, but IVF, surrogacy, adoption, all of those challenges, which when, you know, we see someone pregnant, we don't know the story behind Mm. it. And we thought this could, I thought this could be a really beautiful way to just showcase some of the incredible challenges that are out there. And your podcast is already there helping so many women on the journey kind of after Mm. that point. But what if we could speak to those women who are still kind of wanting or trying or trying for their second or third, or just want to like help their friend who's going Mm. with it or know what to say, or just love a moving story because, mm. like, there's nothing better in mm. my eyes. And I thought you guys would probably be like, oh, yeah, maybe, you know, like, let's think about it and you were busy, busy <laughs> as hell. But you took it up, like, pretty much instantly. You were really excited and it wasn't long after that we got on a Zoom call all together and you guys were like, yeah, we're on, let's do this. When you said that, I got instant goosebumps for the people that, need this because I then took a look at what we are providing and it's amazing for people that have babies or are falling pregnant, but I can totally understand it's not a space if you don't have a child or you're really, you know, struggling Yearning. to conceive yeah. that it's probably really hard to sift through so many baby orientated episodes. So for us to pull and step aside and dedicate a mini series that is purely for these people, for these women and men is just it's a honour for us to be able to to do. Yeah, and we got quite far down the process and then realised, <laughs> oh, there's another podcast called Before the Bump. But yeah. I think it actually is... And I know that a line you never want to use when someone's trying to conceive is it all happens for a reason. Oh, but in terms of this mini series, it did all happen for a reason because now we've decided to call it behind the bump. And I actually think it's really fitting because as you were explaining, La, in some cases, there is so much that goes on behind the scenes, you know, that story behind closed doors that happens to lead 
to hopefully a bump one day. Mm. And yeah, we love the idea of having you on board as well as you could speak from, I guess, a personal experience. Jade and I, we have so much empathy and compassion for women, couples, who are having a difficult, I guess, journey behind the scenes trying to conceive, but it's not something that we can personally relate to. Mm. And we have already recorded a few of these episodes and the way my eyes have been opened to the struggles, I guess, to the different options, but the complexity of the different options, the emotional roller coaster that it is. I have goosebumps too mm, thinking about it. And I guess just how unfair it can be yeah. that like, you know, some people like Jade and I just get pregnant for free, <laughs> you know, and without yeah. that much thought. And then on the flip side, you know, for, for the exact yeah. same outcome, someone is spending hundreds of thousands of dollars going through this physical, emotional, financial struggle. Yeah, um, yeah I, I feel like I really hope that, you know, whether it's someone who's gone through this is going through it, or as you say, everyone is bound to mm. know someone going through it. I think that it's going to be a really important series. And La has delicately sifted through the most incredible stories for everyone to listen to and if you are not going down this journey and you you know don't have a similar story I I genuinely think like from what Sophie said we may not have had these journeys but when listening they are the most incredible eye-opening discussions and I think everyone deserves to to give it a listen. Mm. I just need to speak to a point you made there because I think like it would be remiss of us not to say straight off the bat that even though this has been something I've struggled with, between the three of us right now, we have nine living children. Mm. And so I think that has been a little bit of a mental hurdle for me to be like, do I have a right to be sitting here speaking to these emotions when I am so lucky to have three children now? Like I've had nine pregnancies, but I have three living children. And Sophie, what you were saying about Jade and I are so lucky, like we've never experienced this. And I think I feel that so severely of like, I have been on the other side of where I'm at now and there's nothing I feel that I did or I am that makes me deserve to have yeah. children now. Mm -hmm. And I find that such a difficult thing to grapple with because whenever I'm trying to speak to someone or help them, I'm like, I just feel, it's not like I feel guilty and I don't think anyone would ever want me to not have overcome yeah. what I have overcome. But like, I'm just like, I know the pain of that spot you're in and looking at me, you might go, oh, well, fuck, you're not there now. So, mm. like, why are you speaking about mm. it? But, yeah, it's just a tricky thing where I feel like I did some medical things or might have done something. But fertility is so mysterious. No one's excluded from potentially having a tricky mm. journey. Like, you, it really is just luck of the draw mm. most of the time. So, yeah, I guess I just want to say off the bat, we're aware. We mm. all have children. You know, our day-to-day -day lives are consumed by the very young years of parenting that mm. we're in. Um, or not to 10 that Jada and I are in. And, yeah, but we want to still be of service and, and yeah. be here to help. So, yeah. like, yeah. And I guess that takes you to our next point yeah. is we have got you here today. Actually, you reached out for this one as well. She <laughs> she's just reached out. Out. She's a bit of a clout chaser this one. No, I'm kidding. Now, you, as you said, you have three living children now. Mm. You have three boys and I think it was after Pearl was born and I shared my experience of the adjustment and you said, 
I would love to come on and share a slightly different perspective. And I don't think you were ever saying that my journey, you know, or my adjustment and transition to three kids was easy, but you were just like, I just, I just have quite a different perspective. I have three boys. You guys obviously have six girls between you. Like I would love to chat about being the mum of boys. And so we really want to get into that today. And whether you have boys or girls, like it's just another perspective of being outnumbered and having quite a lot of children. But I guess the last time we spoke to you, I think you had one son at the time and two. two. Yeah. And that was when we were chatting about your journey with recurrent miscarriages. Yeah. Um, we'll link in the show notes that conversation. Episode 82. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> how, many time, how many times have you been listening to it? <laughs> People just ask all the time. <laughs> She's actually got it in her bio. <laughs> <laughs> and I also want to say, We will get started soon, but I love, and I've been really waiting for this episode because like, I'm not sick to death of talking about girls, but Mm. we are heavily saturated with girls. Even the people that come on, they have girls. It's, and it's not, it's not, no, we're not picking, we're not picking them, but I think it's amazing and it's great for, and I know that gender doesn't come into play for some of it, but for the mothers out there that are listening, for the boy mums that are listening, whether you relate to this or not, this is for you. (laughs) This is for us. I'm speaking for all. And I think it's like when we spoke to Casey Edwards about raising girls who like themselves and then the raising boys who like themselves episodes that you know, it's it's 2023, you know, there's a lot of talk about girls can do what they want, boys can do what they want, girls and boys can be whoever they want. But as she said, the reality of it is that boys and girls are treated differently in society. So it's like remiss of us or ignorant of us to just pretend that mm. it doesn't matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know, I look at my friends who have all boys and they're like, in their experience, their experience is different mm. of parenthood. But yeah, so the last time we spoke to you I think you had two kids we were discussing you know quite a difficult journey to get to that point give us a quick snapshot of what's happened since then yeah so for anyone that does remember me from that episode yeah I'd had five I was actually I was having a miscarriage the last time that we spoke and that was I'm happy to say the last miscarriage I've had but yeah I had five miscarriages in having my second boy who's now three And that just to quickly recap, I ended up doing quite a lot of things to um, maintain that pregnancy, which involved a bit of controversial treatment. Flying to Melbourne, we had my partner's blood um, injected into my arm as a type of vaccination. And I was on a lot of immune suppressant medication in the first trimester and steroids and intralipids. I've never done IVF, so this was all spontaneous pregnancy. But, yeah, so that was the journey to having him when we sat down and decided to have a third. I was, I guess for me, my diagnosis with my second and that journey I was on, I'm endlessly curious and have endless questions around fertility. And I think I find it so fascinating because as our series will expose, like so often there's never a clear cut answer. And for someone like me, that can drive me a bit mad. Mm. So while I'm on the other side of it, I have my second boy. I'm still looking at that journey going, it didn't quite add up to me. It didn't Mm. quite make sense to me. Like, yeah, it worked or it was a coincidence what I did to have him. 
But when we decided to try for our third, I said to my partner, Jackson, I don't want to do any of that stuff again. I just want to try like we're a regular couple um, and see what happens. Now, bear in mind, our fertility specialist, before having our second, after the diagnosis we were given, which is called a DQ alpha match, a complete match, told us we had a 1% chance of being able to carry a baby to term without all those medications we did. So at the time we jumped at it, we did it. After having him, he told me you have even less of a chance of being able to. It's not like IVF where it can trigger your system into some kind of, oh, okay, I can do this now. Mm. And like people often have that story where they did IVF and then they're second, they didn't need to. It's the opposite. Your immune system feels thwarted basically. Like, oh, you got one by me. I'm going to clamp down even harder. This is according to him. So we, the odds were very stacked of like, Jackson was like, not in our favor. Why do you want to like, are you sure you want to do this? And I was like, I just, there's something in me. I just want to try it. I didn't know if we would, because we've always fallen pregnant easily. I didn't know if we would fall pregnant and then I would freak out and go, no, 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 give me all those medications. Like, this is too scary. Anyway, we tried our second month. We fell pregnant and I had an instant kind of feeling of, which I'm not very woo-woo and I've never had this feeling before and especially going through a journey, anyone listening knows when you've had a miscarriage or had difficulties with pregnancies, like you never have your your eyes opened, you know, you're never going into it just with this blind faith. So the fact that I felt these feelings of like everything's going to be fine Mm felt really strange to me, but it was a strong feeling. I felt like this instant kind of joyful, like it's going to be fine and I don't need to do any medications. I started seeing a GP and she, most GPs and people out there listening will know that like the DQ alpha match is not widely accepted the treatment for it. So not surprising. She was not on board with the medications either. I could have contacted my fertility specialist and got them all. But we didn't and I, yeah, literally God knows how or what's happened, but I stayed pregnant. I did not take a single steroid. I did not shoot my stomach with Clexane. I did not do progesterone. I did not travel every two weeks and put intralipids in my arm. I didn't take steroids. I did nothing and I carried him (laughs) to full term he's here. Like it's still so mind blowing to me. I contacted my specialist to be like, Hey, just wanted to let you guys know, Mm. like I've managed to do this. And they were basically like, there's always miracles was their kind of response. Oh, wow. Yeah. So look, and I'm hesitant. I'm on a DQ alpha match group on Facebook and I share my story sometimes on there, but I'm hesitant because I don't want to like shit in the face of what anyone is doing on these intense protocols and make it seem like, oh, you might not actually need it because I don't know. Like I still don't know what happened, but that is all I know is that I didn't take anything and and I had him. Were you able to enjoy the pregnancy at all? Like, you know, there's so, you know, so often we get questions asking, you know, I'm pregnant after some Mm -hmm. form of loss and, I can't handle it. The anxiety, the yeah. stress. How did that feel for you? Oh, it's bad. It's bad. It's it's constant. It's minute by minute. Like you guys know what it's like when you're pregnant. You never forget it for a second. And so those for me, especially the first 12 weeks are 
an intense minute by minute constant. Every time you go to the bathroom. Oh, yeah, That yeah. for sure. It's just a constant maintenance of my mind spiraling and going because for me it's like I need to know what's happening, you know. I need to know what I'm setting myself up for. So that was the constant struggle in my brain was like, do I still feel pregnant? Do I feel like I felt last yeah. time? Do I Should I take mm. a test again? Should I just um, be positive? Should I just do this? Like was that a twinge? Was that a twinge that I felt when I had my third miscarriage or was mm. that the twinge I felt when I mm. had heart? Like it's so constant, that mm. monitoring. And so I did. I struggled a lot as I always have every pregnancy after my first miscarriage. And we did two weekly scans, which I would suggest to anyone out there, like even if you're GP, which I don't think they would, but says no to a scan, you can go to a private reassurance scan place. Yes, it'll cost $100 or so, which might not be affordable, but if it is, do those scans Mm. for yourself. That really helped me. But yeah, like I went to that first scan when we hadn't seen a heartbeat. And for me, that is the absolute Mm. pinnacle of... Is that when you generally got your bad news? Yes. Most of the time. I have also had ones where I'd seen a heartbeat and then not the next time. But that was, that's a big one. And like statistically, it's a big one too. Mm. Usually when you see that heartbeat, your odds are increased in your Mm. favor that that baby's going to be viable. Mm. So going to that scan, like this is my ninth pregnancy. So I did have a little bump right off the get-go. Jackson and I also have fallen pregnant with twins before. So I went to that, I went at seven weeks and I had a little stomach. And so in my head, I'm going, okay, these are the scenarios. I remember driving, they're going, these are the scenarios I reckon are most likely to least likely. This is going to sound so callous. Option A, there's going to be two dead babies. Option B, there's going to be two babies with heartbeats. Mm. Option C, there'll be one dead baby. Option D, there'll be one baby with a heartbeat. That was my mind going, this is what I reckon is likely. I thought twins just because of how pregnant I looked. There was a heartbeat and it was one baby. But honestly, that whole pregnancy felt so surreal. Like you guys know what it's like to be pregnant with your third anyway. You're very busy, but Mm. it felt so surreal that there was actually an alive baby growing in there. And I had that thing of like, okay, I've gotten through the first trimester. It's looking all okay, but is this my story where I have a late second trimester loss? Is this my stillbirth story? Because I've heard so many stories now and I just felt like I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop all the time. And I've never actually sat there and thought about it, but like for someone that hasn't had a miscarriage, you have the 12 week scan and you're like, cool. And then you really feel like without whatever anyone says that you're fine. Like you really just think, cool, I've had two kids. This is my third. I'm in the clear. For you, I can't even imagine going, okay, this is the most incredible news but now what? And now that's going to happen for nine months. And yeah. I think as we say with so many things, all these all these stories are always told in hindsight. Mm. So, you know, you hear a story of a second trimester loss, for example, and that's told in hindsight, which is awful, but that has already occurred. Whereas when you're in it, I felt like this I mean, my miscarriage was found out, as you said, at that dating scan at seven weeks. So each time I went, you are, you think, but am I in the story now, Mm. you know, rather than the story being behind you? Absolutely. Yeah. It's so constant. It's, um, you know, the longest time to be in such prolonged anxiety. And there's 
little I've found you can do about, it. you know, affirmations and things like that would help me. Mm. This pregnancy that I had with, with Rolly, who's now one, the pregnancy we're talking about, like something that helped me would, I would hold, put my hand on my uterus womb outside of my belly. And I would say, I didn't know it was him at the time, but I would say to him, you know, we're in this together, whatever happens, we're in this mm. together. And that was one that helped me, but that's about all you can mm. do. It's- and I just think validation, mm. validation that you're allowed to be worried about it. whether you've had a loss or not, it's allowed to be an anxious time, yeah. almost not stressing about the fact you're stressed. Like, yeah. you know, like I remember I was getting my referral for my dating scan and I saw a GP that wasn't my regular GP. And I said, look, I'm, I'm beside myself with nerves about this scan. And she turned to me and she goes, well, there's nothing you can do about the result anyway. Oh. And I said, literally all you needed to say True, is that's so fair that you're yeah. feeling this way because of what has happened in the past, yeah, uh, you know, you're probably going to feel this way until the scan is done. Mm, yeah. And instead she goes, oh, yeah, there's nothing you can do that would change the result and I won't refer you to the obstetrician till afterwards because, you know, like... <sighs> We'll just make sure that it's – and I was like, if I have a miscarriage, I'm not a burden on my obstetrician. That's the thing people struggle with is like people always say the wrong thing and God knows I'm guilty of saying the wrong thing before I went down this path. Like I have friends who had miscarriages before me and I remember some things I say, said to them like so cringe mm. but I think that is a great little nugget yes. that you've said. It's just like validating people. Mm. It's not hard but we think we've got to come up with a solution. We think, well, there's nothing you can do about it so try not to worry. No, just – say that's fucking hard I'd be worried too I can imagine this podcast has taught me it's no matter what the bad time is or whatever the you know unfortunate situation circumstance is everyone is just looking for validation and anything that starts with at least I know just stop literally everyone I mean you've said this before you said you turned to Harry and realized we both just want to be heard. Yep. Everyone just wants to be heard yeah. and have their feelings validated, whether it's a toddler, most of the time that's why they're mm-hmm. throwing themselves on the floor, through to the elderly. We, I actually recently went to a health retreat and it's a, I don't know if it's a weird thing that happened, but the last time I went to the health retreat, the same thing happened on the last day. And this woman who was extremely quiet, she didn't say much at all. I don't know why, but I feel this urge of like speaking to you about this. And I I sat there and she expressed to me that she gave birth to a stillborn at 39 weeks. And the lady this time also said a similar thing. That's two women at the end of health retreat that shared with me that they both experienced a stillborn. And I think in this experience with podcasting, what I have learned, and this is what you were saying then, is you want to help and fix people really quickly by Mm. saying, oh, I'm going to come up with whatever I can to help you. But in this instance, I sat and I felt uncomfortable but it was giving her space to speak her truth and when she was able to do that, she was also processing these emotions because she doesn't talk about it to other people. She Mm. especially doesn't talk about it to a random stranger that she's known for three days, Mm. but she decided to do that. And I, I didn't say, I'm so sorry. I, I genuinely sat there and listened to everything, every pause, every quiver in her chest. And 
I really, really think that we all need to understand how important the silence of listening is and the power it gives the other person rather than filling their heads with more, oh, no, like it'll, you'll be fine for the next time. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's well, just. We're fixing it for ourselves to yeah. get out of the discomfort Well, that's exactly what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now a little bit of a change of pace. We asked our bumpies to send in questions about life with three, which obviously we can all talk to mm-hmm. and share different perspectives but we really want to talk about life with three boys because we have no Sophie and I have no idea what that's like and oh Sophie's Sophie's <laughs> actually come up with a pun here and I like it she said what is it like to be in quotations drowning in dudes because if you're not following La her Instagram name <laughs> is drowning in dudes <laughs> so one of the most common questions sent in and I feel like we're asked this a lot as well, is how did you know you wanted a third? I think I wanted to have that feeling, which is so like a thingy people say, of feeling done or I felt, okay, so I felt like with two, it was a lot, it's all the things, it's hard, it's beautiful, it's exciting, it's exhausting. I thought I don't feel like I want to throw my kids at the nearest person walking by and be like, can I have an hour to myself? So I was like, I think I oh, not I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, was I still went for third. <laughs> no, so I was like, I kind of like felt like, look, I could stay here and be comfortable and be happy and trading the water. I also had a bigger gap with them, which I absolutely love that gap and I'm going to get into how difficult my second gap has been. But I thought, look, you I kind of want to go the, you know, two similar age. You're like, I'm like, handling this. Let's get to a point yeah, where I'm not handling it. and that's probably my it. personality. Yeah. was like, I want to come on a podcast and just talk about some struggles <laughs> some more. That's my brand. <laughs> I need to come on here and win <laughs> about yeah. something. There hasn't been enough adversity. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it wasn't a big, honestly, we sat at the Eltham Pub. Shout out Eltham Pub. Great pub. Great pub. Had one wine and just literally decided in that one conversation, yeah, we're up for it again. And that was it. We went for wow. it. Wow. Yeah. And when you decided you wanted a third, were you hopeful at all for a girl? Honestly, no. And I feel like, I don't know, I'm like, people are going to be like, oh, she's just pretending that now. Like I, <laughs> a friend said to me the other day, you always growing up, I've known her for a long time. You always growing up said you'd have four boys. And I'm like, I do not remember saying that, but apparently I've always known I'd be a boy mom. I'm, I mean, look at my nails. Like <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> The most girly girl. I didn't. Okay, stop. <laughs> um, I didn't grow up with that like love my mum, but we never had that really like tight month. Like we don't have that call each other every day, talk about our feelings. I didn't. This is I'm being so gender stereotypical mm. right now, and I really don't mean to be, but I didn't. But I think that when people think about gender disappointment, it's Yes. Often for that the stereotypes of for what it sure. is to have a girl, of what it is to yes. have a boy. Yeah. So for me, I was like, that's not why I'm doing it. I honestly just three boys is a super fun, unique combination. Two boys and a girl, like every combination I think is just beautiful and unique and overwhelming on its own, like regardless of gender. So I didn't have gender disappointment. We did find out this time because I was like, this is my final baby. I do just kind of want that 
picture of what it's going to look yeah. like. And we did film it and I opened, I did the harmony and I opened it and like I just started cracking up laughing. Like that was it for me. It was did just Jackson laughter. Did Jackson have any? No, not at all. Like, yeah, it just, what, it's just not a focus for us. And I think that you guys have spoken about this before and like I wholeheartedly agree with my three boys so far have very different personalities mm, yes. and I don't have any kind of vision in my head that they're either living up to or abolishing that could be different to what I'd have with girls. Mm. Like my oldest boy is calm, observant, inquisitive, a little bit introverted. You know, his main thing is writing books, playing with Lego. Like I'm not surrounded by like I do Boisterous. have balls on my head sometimes. That is definitely <laughs> what's happening. Yeah, but like, I'm not yeah. getting beaten up like left, right and center yeah. and like, you know, just testosterone and sh- yeah. maybe later like teenage yeah. years. We'll see. But, yeah, so three boys sounded great to me. And it's funny because we had an equal amount of boy mums write in saying, you know, I felt disappointed mm. and we had an equal amount of boy mums write in saying, what the hell do you respond when everyone assumes you must be yeah. disappointed or is like sad on your behalf because yeah. they don't feel like that and they get offended for their boys. Yeah. And actually I've seen that, like my, I've obviously got three girls and then my best friend has three boys of very similar ages and people say things like in front of her kids mm. and I'm just like, do you know how that kind of sounds yes. to them? A yucky setup, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Do you get that? And how do you respond? Um, I don't on it. I don't honestly think people. I don't think I'm that approachable on the street. <laughs> I'm a bit arresting. Yeah, I, bitch I face. can confirm. You, you're probably not the most approachable I'm person not. until I, you get to know I, you. Yeah, then you're like, oh, that, that, that is me. It's a really strange thing. I'm like, people often say to me, like, I thought you were so cold and like at the start. I don't get that vibe. <laughs> so okay, so our advice is yeah. to this people okay. is to look um, meaner at look, the park and less people will make yeah. comments. Honestly, <laughs> but my personality, there's not a lot you can say that would offend me. I don't think no discredit to those people that it does bother because I understand the like layers under that mm. of feeling for their children mm. and what that society is saying about them and their gender that they were born into. But like, I don't get that ruffled by comments like that. Yeah. I think I probably haven't even noticed them because I just go like, I probably just would make a joke about it too, yeah. you know. I'd probably just go along with it and go. Gender disappointment always comes up in our DMs. Mm. It's a big, big conversation that we talk like that. I'm people, sorry, I can't be more no, disappointed. That we, can, <laughs> that, that we get asked about if we've had it or we've had someone on about it. Mm. And we have briefly touched on it but do you think you maybe haven't had that because you've gone through so Mm. many miscarriages and trying to conceive that the last really concern for you is the gender absolutely I think that's a big thing is like that is not the be all and end all like it's not oh like yeah I wanted a summer baby and I got a winter one again or like which I'm not trying to make fun of those people I get it and I remember when Jackson and I were trying and I was like Sorry to everyone out there, but I was like, let's skip when, like, it's going to be a gem. <laughs> <laughs> what, even after everything you No, 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 through? this is when we started trying. Oh, like, when you yeah, were, like, when we start, naive yeah, to the yeah, whole thing. Yeah, yeah, when we were like, yeah. well, yay, we get to pick and now choose. Now you're like, I'd even like a Gemini. <laughs> Look, I won't get that fun. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. My sister's a Gemini. Like, oh. she's fine. No, but yeah, like I said, my boys are all so different. I don't feel like I've missed out on anything. And also, I just don't know what it would be like. Yeah. So, yeah, totally. Yeah. So, tell us, what was the transition to three like? <laughs> oh, God. 
what you, were your expectations okay. of what three were going to be? My like? expectations were probably like stereotypical, like movie vibes of like me with like my hair hanging in my face, like 300 coffees to get through the day, juggling a newborn on one hip, a toddler on the other, my primary schooler in my ear. That all happened a little bit. I thought that would be the hard thing. I thought the juggle would be the hard thing. I did not expect how unbelievably, obliteratingly difficult the sibling adjustment was going to be between my second and my third. So that's my two-year gap. He was two. He was literally turned two and then got a baby brother like two days later. Oh, wow. And how old was your eldest? Ten. Okay. Yeah. So he's like third parent in the house. He's amazing. There's no, his adjustment is just like everything's great. He's got Mm. another beautiful brother to love. But yeah, I really didn't expect it. And we have been, me and you two, have been talking about doing an episode on the topic of sibling adjustment for a while. And honestly, it has been something I've grappled with of like, it's so difficult for me to even talk about because I feel like obviously you have absolute love for your children and it is still like I'm feeling the reverberation still of going through a time with him where I intensely loved him but found him extremely difficult mm. like extra and I'm like how hard is that like I'm finding him so hard but my heart's breaking because he's too and the person who's looking after him is finding him too hard yeah it's a really complex layered thing and so to be more specific about how it went basically he hadn't shown any signs of this before but as soon as we had the baby and brought our third baby home he started being quite physical with him it wasn't like he'd be angry or upset or like outwardly showing signs of jealousy or, I want you mummy and then I couldn't get to him and then he would lash out it was literally deadpan constant when I say constant, I mean constant behavior of him walking up, slapping Rolly on the face, scratching his face, biting his face, like all the time. He would he didn't show emotion about it. He could speak really well. So he was able to talk to me. He didn't, I still felt like I was sh- like giving him a lot of my time. You know, I'd read all the things yeah. about how to help them adjust and get them helping and it's your baby too. And my oldest, I've spoken about this before, but honestly has not had a tantrum to this day. Like I think we're out of the woods now. He's 10. Hopefully it doesn't come out at some point. He he was the calmest toddler baby Jade. Mm, You were there for those years. Like, and I remember everyone would go and everyone would always say to me, oh, how do you, like, what, you must be just such a calm mother. And I was like, you are a calm mother No, but having my second When it's your first, you tell yourself that whatever they do is because of you. Having my second, he could not be more different. I parented the same and he Hmm. is, like, unbelievably challenging. He is, like so intense, like wants constant affection, wants to do everything himself at the same time, but like can't sit still, doesn't stop talking, won't watch TV still. He's three. Sounds like my husband. (laughs) Used to scream pretty much constantly for no reason, could not be put down. I honestly carried him for like the first two years of his life, like just a very different, like needed a lot from me. And so he was doing all of this with the newborn where I could not, I could not sit down and breastfeed. I had to breastfeed standing so up. So that he was out of so his So that height. he was out of arm's reach. My baby 
thank God, was so chilled. He honestly lived his first four months of his life up on our kitchen bench. I know you're not meant to put a bouncer up there, but <laughs> child. Was safer than on the ground. Safer than on the ground in a bouncer on our kitchen bench. And when I say he lived up there, he lived up there and just would look out the window and was super happy to do that. Thank God, because I could not. Anytime I was changing his nappy, anytime I was breastfeeding. Tummy time? No, he didn't get that luxury of getting tummy time. Like couldn't put him down. All of the tactics like I have heard and I've seen other people with kids that, are, you know, that their kids are biter, their kids are hitter. You know, you, you come across these people and I definitely had some judgment in what I thought was going yeah. on in the household. I thought that would never be me. I would quell that so quickly. I would squash that. I would know what to do. I tried every bloody tactic in the book, in my book, in any book I read, any <laughs> podcast. I was like looking for help and I've never really looked for help yeah. in parenting before. And Jackson was the same. We were at a complete loss. And was he, you know, when he was hanging out with other kids, was he starting to bite others and that kind of thing? Or was it specifically to roll in? No, it started becoming a everyone's a target. And yeah. so this is my experience of my days with my early third baby, like, First of all, like the night I got home, I was cooking dinner. <laughs> there was no like dinners dropped off. I wasn't going around to see people because he was attacking anyone oh with that we started yeah. hanging out with. And all of the things that I was reading, the one thing and what I intuitively knew and felt, but is very hard. Anyone out there with a kid who tests the boundaries physically will know how hard it is to keep your cool. Like, Everything I read, I knew that the best course of action was to stay calm. I knew that I needed to be his calm, unruffled leader, you know, in the words of Janet Lansbury, like <laughs> be that guidance for him, not show that it was getting to me. I knew that what was underlying his behaviour was that he was feeling, where's my place in your heart, mummy and daddy? Who am I in this household still? What's going on? And yet I knew that if we responded with severity, with removal, with anger, that would only widen that chasm for him. So I understood that. But when you're around uh, other people, when even your friends at the park and your kid's doing stuff to them and, and you're, you're walking over and going, we don't hit people. Yeah. I won't allow you to hit. And they're looking at you like, bitch, what the fuck? Is that all you're going to do? He just hit my kid. Like, make him say sorry. Put him in timeout. We tried everything. Like, yeah. if timeout had worked, if, like, there's not much we would not have tried if it had worked. It didn't work for him. The last thing that worked for him was us getting angry or stern. Like, it was harder for Jackson than it was for me to keep his cool. He would react bigly. But I also was like, okay, so not only Rolly is getting hit to the face and then whoever sees it happening is going, ah, and making this big scene. I'm going, so, like, our newborn is feeling this hit and then this intense emotion around him at the same time and Harvey, the three-year-old, the the perpetrator, <laughs> the abuser, is getting a big reaction. And they say like toddlers, a big reaction to them, good or bad, is it doesn't matter. It, doesn't matter. Negative, it yeah. doesn't matter. So he's going, oh, what was that big reaction again? That was interesting. Like, what was that? Mummy mm. yelled at me. Mummy went to another route. You love yeah. And he has loved that drama yeah. guy. But it wasn't just everyone. It was actually, he, he was coming for you as well, he wasn't did. he? He did. And so this was like my oldest son, who is so 
Sweet. Said it before. Say He's again. not the favourite. So I'm beginning to think. None of them are favourites. <laughs> <laughs> He's so sweet. But like this one day, so this was, so this four months was peak problem of this going on in our household. It's somewhere in this four months, probably nearing the end of it. And I'll tell you what we did, which eventually turned the course a little bit. But I was sitting on the couch. I think I laid back for a second and closed my eyes. Harvey, that is not okay in his book. Like no one is like, I'm never allowed to be, he's gotten better now. But at the time I couldn't be walk one step away from him. I couldn't not answer him immediately. I like, couldn't not pick him up. At, like he was so intense and I laid oh, back for a second and closed yeah. my eyes. I'm honestly yeah, exhausted on but your I love behalf. you. No, no, no. And I, and I don't doubt that for yeah. a second. But like when you have a newborn and another child in the house, like yeah. you need them to sit in front of a television. No, you need them still to no just TV give even. you a second. You just nah. And that like couldn't put Rolly down for a nap. Like to get Rolly from where we were to get him into his cot, I would have to stand with the exhaust fan on in the kitchen. So you know how it makes a noise when the exhaust like goes on. Noise. Like yeah, like white noise. So I could still be there with Harvey talking to him slyly, kind of getting Rolly to sleep on one side of Rolly. Should I say Riley? <laughs> Rolly to sleep on one it? side of my body. <laughs> and then I knew the only thing that this kid can slightly be engaged with that's not me is food. So I would have something that he liked so ready like raspberries. Honestly, like a duck. no, I'd go, okay, his eyes are closed bowl of raspberries, bolt to the bedroom, put him down, get the door shut, ma'am, run back. Yeah, oh I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. So that and was just like. hope that he stayed asleep. Yeah, and that he till like the first 10 months, he has not <gasps> let me put Rolly down for a nap without oh him screaming, God. jumping on me, trying to wake him up. Like he doesn't watch TV. Like so, yeah, my nervous system was and still is recovering, but was so frayed. Like if I ever timed their naps up during this period, I would not know what to do with myself. Oh, they would be in either room, white noise blaring, and I'd be just kind of bouncing around inside myself, bouncing yeah. around in the house going, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do, what do yeah. I do? Just anxious, waiting for one of them to wake up and kind of going, what can I quickly put in place that's going to make the next hour after they wake up easier? Like I felt like I was like I have to find a solution. I have to get something in place. And the pressure was so much I would honestly just pretty Be much paralyzed with like indecision. Paralyzed. Yeah. But anyway, what what did you just ask me that I was trying to answer? Oh, you were saying you something that was really interesting that was the turning point of you you were about to tell us. Oh, no, no. You said it wasn't to everyone. He was hurting me too. Okay, so this was the st- – so I was laying back on the couch, closing my eyes. He grabs my iPhone and just smashes <gasps> it down on my face. Like I said, like not seeming angry. Just like, oh, what would happen if I did this? Not being like, mom, wake up, just clocked me in the face. So I'm eyes closed. I instantly start bawling. I've got a gash under my eye that's bleeding and I'm just bawling because like it was just that reaction of, of like course. just being so suddenly hurt and confused. And Illy, my 10-year-old, this is the first time that I saw him like he went into psychoprotective mode and he just was like, that's it. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this, Harvey. You don't do this. Like, I'm done. I've had enough of watching you hurt people. Like, how dare you do this to mommy? Like, it was so Aww. sweet. And Harvey was just like, well, it would have that been was hard for him to watch as well. Is, is Harvey yes. at all at any stage, time or whatever, like, is there anything sinking into him? No. Nah. 
The is, only is thing. He a <laughs> don't. I'm no. sure that went through. See, this is the part that I'm like. I'm don't want to come on. Like his beautiful essence that he is. I'm like was under siege of the toddler yeah, brain. Of he was in. I know. Like obviously, it's not him. I knew there was nothing bad about him, but it did. We were asking questions. Like we barely talked about him, Jackson and I, because we were so exhausted by him. Yeah. But we did sit down one night and go like do you think there's something more at play? Like, is this regular just toddler behaviour? He seemed to me like someone who is, you know, the way your toddler acts when they're insanely tired. Yeah. yeah. That was like his personality round the clock. And I was like, I feel like maybe there's something more going. Should I at least go and start the ball rolling in some direction? And so we kind of did. We went to the GP. I asked those questions. We got his iron checked. Yeah. I got his adenoids checked. I felt like it was a tiredness thing. What actually did end up helping was two things. One was the reaction and it has to be consistent and constant, which was hard to maintain even in myself, but let alone Jackson coming home on weekends and then doing his version of dealing with it, but was staying completely calm. If I saw him about to hit Rolly, it would be stopping the motion, stopping the motion of hitting with my arm and saying, I will not let you hit Rolly. It was just mm. repeating that. Thing. I will not let you because there was something about that that's showing him, I know you don't want to. I'm yeah. the leader. I'm in charge I'm and I'm going to help you yeah. not do this. Yeah. It didn't help all the time. It just made things probably like 70% better if I could consistently do that. And I think even sometimes as a parent having a script during heightened times is easier. So you're kind of like, okay, I'm just going to go back to this one line and it's so repetitive, especially if it's not working straight away. But it's sometimes when you like, you know, hands are not for hitting, for example, or, you know, having a line that you say during a tantrum, even if it's more for yourself. And that is a good one for yourself. It's like just having that protecting both. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because that was the hard thing was like I was feeling so much anger towards him like I was and I grappled and felt so guilty about that but like imagine your newborn like literally not a day of his life went by without some kind of attack and I said to the GP when I first went I was like this is what's going on like I'm actually like really concerned is he gonna be okay and she just like fobbed it off she was like oh like I was like if we were doing this to him, yeah. docs would be called. Why is it okay that he's being, like, abused every day? Yeah. And she was like, oh, I'm sure you're comforting him after, though. And I'm like, yeah, of course. But, like, it yeah. just was such a it was such a layered, complex yeah. time of feeling for both of them. But, yeah, feeling out of my depth, and that one line did help. The other thing that helped, and I don't know if this is going to be very helpful for anyone listening because it's a little bit weird. I don't know why it helped. But Harvey, three-year-old now, two-year-old at the time, was in a cot. And one other thing which started getting really difficult was that he already was an early riser and we already had a constant struggle with every morning one of us would be in the room with him for an hour to two hours trying to get him back to sleep, which never worked. But he used to go to bed okay at night and then that started, the wheels came off that and we were doing an hour at bedtime and I was like, Jackson, something's got to give. Let's get a double bed and just like one of it, like we tried things, we tried bringing him out, we tried all sorts of things. But I was like, let's get a double bed. We got a double bed and Jackson divide and conquer started sleeping with Harvey from night till morning and for some reason it 
absolutely was a turning point. Like, I don't know if it was a coincidence. I don't know if he was getting better sleep. Like this or kid like had woken up. Like or feeling like there's someone loved. there like, for him. I'm not, yeah. yeah, I'm open to the idea that potentially he's someone and he does, he needs a lot of affection. Mm. He still needs someone to cuddle him all night. Bless his heart. Like maybe there was something he needed spiritually, emotionally, that he wasn't, he needed that constant love. Maybe it helped him sleep better. But from then on, the four-month mark on things have been a lot easier it's still never not on the table. Yeah. There's yeah. still, I can still never not turn my back. Yeah. They do have beautiful periods of playing well together. He gushes over him. There's love, but it still is constant that he will try something at least every week, maybe every day in hard times. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is such an added layer. Like I'm literally here <sighs> thinking, how did dinner get on the table? How did you? pee yeah no I would have to I normally would take Harvey with me so it'd be yeah. like ah mommy's gonna go poo come on Harvey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. let's go watch mommy poo time. I know hey, literally and he was probably like yeah yeah, yeah I get one-on-one time exactly. with mommy and her poo exactly. <laughs> that's how I cope oh, well thanks for sharing that because yeah. I do feel like it's probably an area of parenthood that's not spoken enough about yeah because you do I felt a lot of shame and like you said it was happening to other people it was happening to friends Mm. and as much as I would try and explain to my friends this is the way we're trying to deal with it I still was like I'm that person people don't want to hang out with you know what I get it because when your kid gets hurt you kind of do want to be like "Uh, are you gonna do something about that like my kid's just been hurt but then when your child is the one hurting you do you know that a reaction is what they're looking for so you you can't and um I I mean god all new motherhood is so isolating to think then you've got to stay home because you're worried like you're not even Mm -hmm. worried about taking the newborn out and about you're worried about taking another child out and about is just even more isolating. The one I think good thing about it was it was really galvanizing for Jackson and I because he saw absolutely what my days were like. Like not long after Ollie was born was the Christmas holidays. He's a tradie. He had like a two-week break and he saw like this is the intensity. And so while we still do and did struggle with those conversations, which are always ongoing in every household over like personal time and Mm. you know trying to who deserves what and who's doing more (laughs) he seemed to have a really hands-on vision of this is what's going on like I got to get the fuck home and help her and how did you like get on the same page in the way that you were going to handle it (laughs) because I think that so often as mothers in a heterosexual couple, mm. stereotypically, we are the ones who read the books, we listen to the yeah. podcasts, we hear what the latest research shows on the way to deal with these mm. things. Whereas I feel like often, like I've had to say to Nick a few times, like shame is never going to yeah. help get this situation mm. better or, oh, like I'd really rather you didn't use that wording. And he kind of trusts me because he's like, I know that you're the one that's like a bit more in this field. I'll go off what you say. But how did you get him on the same page that, you know, berating him wasn't going to make this any better. Yeah, look, like not perfectly because a lot of it is in the heat of the moment and I would sit down with him and like you said, he also does have that trust in me where he knows A, that I'm doing, you know, he goes to work, I do the 
parenting at home, like where you have that quite t- traditional arrangement. So I was in it. I was experiencing it every day. I do do more research. I mm. tend to listen to more podcasts. Like, so he did have that trust in me, but it was really difficult for him to like stop that reactive yeah. parenting, which I think a lot of us and especially men do. And there's things I pull him up on where I'm like, did you want to react to the kids mm. like that? Or like, if you'd have thought about it, would that have been your ideal way to react? And he's like, no, it's not my ideal yeah. way to react like I'm off myself yeah and so we would have a lot of those combos but yeah a lot of it was like honestly in the heat of the moment just being like mm, Jackson no like and that was the and that's hard but that was another lane it was like all the hard work I've done all week and then yeah. you're home on a Saturday just going get off him yeah. and go like, yeah, separate and I'm like you're undoing it all yeah. like, and I no. guess probably another layer for him because the last thing you yeah. want when you're already frustrated with your kids is then someone else telling you no don't parent like that you know like oh, both sides sure. are like I don't know ah. how he deals with me <laughs> no and I'm not, that's not to guilt you any further because I know that like you were putting mm. in so much of that groundwork but even when I know I've fucked up and wish yeah. I'd done something better there's nothing more annoying than your partner being like do you feel like you could have done that better yes of course I yeah, feel like no, I could have done that totally. but I feel like this happens this happens like even today I could hear Harry he was absolutely we have no boys in the house so he's just thriving off anyone giving him attention and he was just like I could tell he was he was annoying all the girls he just wanted a reaction he was the toddler in the house and he was just like hey someone play with me and I said to him I try and like he can parent however he wants until it gets to a point where I can sense that everyone is just not feeling comfortable everyone's stressed and then that makes me stressed because I know I'm gonna have to pick up the Mm -hmm. pieces and I'm just like I go hey that's enough you're being actually too full-on and people that no one's liking it so you need to stop and I, I don't like saying that because no. I don't like to tell him how to parent. And I have been told by a therapist that you should be like, you know, how they handle situations is their situations. Oh, but nah, you know I what? <laughs> when you're living in a household and you're just trying to make that as seamless as possible, because at the end of the day, we are just trying to make a harmonious life inside for our family there is going to come a time where you're going to have these uncomfortable conversations and some relationships are going to be like more consistent than other ones, but it's a lot. I know. I'm very lucky that I have a partner who at least like says, yes, you're right. And like, I'll try better, you know, pretty pretty much any time we have these combos. Don't know if he's just like biting his tongue, but yeah, yeah, it is. Hey, if he's doing it and he's giving it a go. It works for me. Yeah, that's it. And obviously it hasn't been smooth sailing, but I guess the thought of logistics for a lot of people when we go into, you know, having Mm. three or more children, do you have any things that have yeah, like I guess practically or logistically made three children easier. Yeah, I reckon I have some hacks. These won't work for everyone. I'm excited. Let's go. Right right. <laughs> Don't get too excited. Obviously for me, like white noise is my holy grail. So I would kind of have that going through all parts of the house. The exhaust goes on, white noise in everyone's room. That's always helpful. I am probably the only person that will sit here and say, carriers are not the answer for me it was like the idea of a newborn strapped to me like it's you know it's always like put in this way of oh and then you can play with your toddler I'm like 
what game can I play with my toddler? Like you stand three metres away and we'll have a chat I while I stand down. up. I can't sit down. I can't pick you up. I can't bend. I can't wake the baby. So I'm like, to me, that's not working. But I think it helps with some things and not with others. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, dis- I agree to disagree. <laughs> so I I waited until he was born and went, okay, this is a baby that can go in a pram because you know how some babies just won't. I bought a double pram off Marketplace, $300, best money I ever spent. I bought a side-by-side one because hand- – oh, mm-hmm. no, I bought a – no, the opposite. <laughs> I bought a – in line one, so one in front of the other because low-hanging fruit, don't want any arms to be able to reach across. That was, yeah, $300 purchase. I am of the belief, like, let your pram get trashed. Buy one off Marketplace, let it get trashed, let them eat on there. Don't be as fussy with your pram. Same with my car. Car and pram, absolute shit shows. Let them eat in both places. Don't drive yourself mad trying to keep all those things under control. If you can do this, it's not always achievable and like don't tie yourself in knots trying to make this happen. But once your baby, youngest baby, gets on a two-nap schedule, which usually happens around seven, eight months, if you can make it so that you can sync up your toddler and your baby's naps and how you do it is you give your baby a 30 minute nap in the morning, maybe like 9am or whatever. And then you give them both their main longer nap at say 1pm. If you can do that, the days that I manage it, like these days still, I'm like, holy moly. I am the wizard. Come at me, Sally yeah. Sunset. <laughs> I, had, I had a uh, 16 month gap and I can, I couldn't agree more with that. I did the exact same thing. And it was like, it was almost guaranteed to me. I knew that yeah. I was going to have Get an to hour. I was going to have, but minus sickness, but I was going to have that time to myself because those two would always sync up. And I think the best thing to do is to do the morning nap out and about, yeah. like often mine's yeah. in the car or in the pram and often if it's out and about you guarantee that it's going to be shorter whereas if I put her down at home she sleeps longer and I'm You'd like I can't wake her, wake her. Yeah. like and I'm like I just want to but then, but then everyone else is awake I mean my older two don't really nap anymore but I use that time that I'm like let's do stuff in the morning and then I'm like I don't feel guilty about giving you screen time while Pearl yeah. naps in the middle yeah. of the day and that is me time and that it works well with those who are having have got three children because they're oldest is likely to be going to somewhere at 9am. So for us, I take him to school. It's like I couldn't keep him awake if I wanted at that time. He falls asleep in the car. Like you said, it works well. Do something out and about, home for naps. Um, The other thing is the night before you're going to be waking up in the morning with all three kids, the days upon you, you're inside it. Make a plan the night before for what you're going to do. I know that seems like how ridiculous. I'm sure I can think of something in the moment, in the morning, you can't. The days upon you, everyone wants things. You're inside it. They don't often let you make a call, mm. figure out what your friends yes. are doing. Like, and that feeling to Fully me is like, oh no, oh no, I'm no. under it. The days upon me, yep. and I don't know how to get out of it. I can't figure out what we're doing today. You have to just sit there the night for and just come up with a slight plan. Whether it's like, okay, first thing, we'll go to Audi, we'll knock that out of the park, yeah. you know, whatever it is, have a plan in place. I'm so glad you said that because Nick came to me and he goes, I was 
listening to this podcast and it said create like a menu of things that it's like what are things you can do when you have one child? What are things you can do when you have two of Mm. them if it's this one and this one? What are things that you can do when you have three of them? And if you had have said that to me before, I would have been like, why the hell do you need a list of things? Like don't you just come up with something? But sometimes it's just one less thing. I just look at the menu and I'm like, okay, I can take these two to the beach or I can take these three, which are all the three, to the park. (laughs) Or as you said, let's use the supermarket as an outing or whatever. And it's just one less thing on the mental load because you go, oh, like the options are already there for me. So thank you for validating the fact that that is (laughs) very helpful. Yeah, Uh, Rest of of three. Um, (laughs) The other thing, these are just two random things, but I know everyone is going to go like, what? Everyone's been telling us to put a laundry basket in every room. My hack is get rid of all your laundry baskets, put one in the bathroom it fills up so quickly that that feeling you get of when you see all of them filled up and you finally start doing the washing, this is me anyway, you'll feel it daily and you'll put the washing on. I have it right next to my washing basket. It fills up every day. I'm way more on top of the washing than when I had one in every room. The other thing is like normalize calling your toddler an arsehole, not to their face, (laughs) but like find a person that you can say those things to because that period that I was in obviously not too safe people that get it that you can they love an asshole that would, <laughs> yeah. honestly like it, it, it releases the emotion from your body because you're trying so hard all day to be like no but I have to suppress this feeling I'm having because I can't and I'm not handling it but I have to handle it and I have to help them and you know he's not giving me a hard time he's having a hard time that <laughs> is true Reframe. but he's also it's a fucking asshole it's yeah. true but like Jackson and I that was a lifeline to me to be able to call him at work and just be like like Harvey is being the biggest C-U-N-T and he'd be like oh my god what's he doing now so (laughs) off him you know and like that to us was like good pressure valve release like do I love him with all my heart would I do anything for him yes absolutely is he driving me mad yes (laughs) yeah and the people that know you you don't have to even say those things you don't have to preface it by telling yeah you get anyone that has had a toddler understands it's arseholeville it is Yeah, I'll be interested to see how my third toddler experience is, but I think, like, we're we're so out of the woods now. Like, what did I just say? Oh, my God. <laughs> what did I just say? You're uh, an idiot. Look, should we delete this? <laughs> Start again. No, no. Start the start the So can you or do you find any time for yourself and time for you and Jackson? Not for Jackson and I, and I think you've spoken about this before, Soph, like, for us, the priority is probably more solo time away yeah. than together time away and just like easier to facilitate. We're getting there slowly. Jackson is, you know, just obviously naturally better at it. He has many hobbies right now. Fishing is his massive thing. So and he does love the golf. He does love he the likes golf. Fishing and the and golf. No, he loves they all the things. All the long, long yeah, time. Yeah, but he's not allowed all of them. Yeah. So at the moment, fishing is his main thing and he will like unashamedly take that and I have gotten a lot better finally with my third child I wish your attitude towards parenting you could have with your first that you have with your third you could have with your first Mm. because I had so much more guilt around ever leaving my first but now I'm like and the ideas of like the good enough mother which you guys have talked about on here like things like that have really helped me to go 
it is more than okay for me to step away. Mm. And Jackson will like, he, he can't breastfeed, obviously. He knows it's going to be a hard time while I'm away, but I've managed to take a couple of one-nighters and I know that I'm like, I know I'm leaving him a shit show, but it's good for everyone. And mm-hmm. he's just like, look, if you go and I'm up all night having mm-hmm. a baby bender, so what? I just have one night of a baby bender and it's all back. You know, yeah. I've had worse benders in my life. <laughs> <laughs> that was self-inflicted. Yeah. yeah. And um, so, yeah, I'm getting slowly better at it. But I think as well, it's just like looking at what he does. I'm like, if I don't want that resentment to build, which it does, then I have to make sure I just take the time for I myself. I love that you said that. I, I think we need to make that more heard, a baby bender. Yeah. <laughs> so when you can't, when you are not, you're having a rough night, you're on a baby bender. That's oh, right. and you feel the same the next day. Oh, yeah. I, I had That's a rough great. night the last three nights and I feel like that real hungover yeah, feeling where I crave like greasy yes. food. I want to survival. Like I want survival some soft instinct. drink. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's dehydration and sleep deprivation, I think, yeah. more than the drinking. So, yeah. so I may drink as well away. just got drunk. <laughs> <laughs> what about the financial jump? Have you found there much of a difference between two and three and what were maybe some unexpected things that are more expensive now? Yeah. Look, like we are, like I said, I mean, even I'm catching myself saying this sentence because I'm about to say we're more of a like traditional family in terms of I've our finances, but then in knowing that like we are still in like the top whatever percent of people in the world that have a house, you know, have a roof over our heads, have food on the table every night. But in saying that, like we are quite like live week to week. I don't work. He does work. He's a tradie. When we had our third, he was working for someone else. And at the same time, as everyone knows, there is insane increases across the board in in every way yeah. right now rent in the area we all live in is psychotic groceries everything cozy lives everyone knows that so we were not like not getting through the week anymore we were not I don't think it was because like oh now we're just buying more nappies I'm not sure what it was exactly mm-hmm. but like also you kind of when you're in that real juggle of having three and having two close together like you really need to be able to go out and buy a baby Chino, you know? And like, maybe I didn't need that as much before having three, but you need to be able to do that to buy a smoothie, a croissant, like feel a little bit part of the world. And so, yeah, those things were like, oh, I can't really do that at the moment and we're not making it work. And Jackson incredibly managed to leave where he was and started his own business, which has really changed our financial situation for the better. But also would have been taking a risk. Yeah, definitely a risk. And like, we're still figuring it out. You know, he's not amazing with money. I'm much better. So it's a, it's a, you know, that is one of the biggest problems couples have, isn't it? Like when you've got different attitudes to money. So that's a constant thing we struggle with. But um, yeah, it has helped. And I feel like for me, I always, no matter how busy I am with parenting, like still always have this like nugget of desire for a creative pursuit or to be doing something productive Mm. outside the home. And like, thankfully we're doing our amazing series together. Mm. So that's like scratching that itch for me right now. And I'm excited because I'm like, I feel like we're heading into a zone where I may be able to take on more bits of work like that. And he, now that he does work for himself, like today, he had to stay home with the kids, which he was trying to throw everything up in the air yeah. to stop that from happening. No, what if we sent one kid here, one kid here? <laughs> and I'm like, nah, bitch, like get, get up, get the lunches made, be me. I'm gone. Yeah, Goodbye. I'm out the door. 
going to the gym on the way home. What are some things that you were like, wow, I didn't expect that to be so much? Like difficulties with having three? Yeah. Um, Besides the whole toddler asshole abuse. No, 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 sorry. In terms of finances, I mean. Like did you guys have to get a new car? Did you have to? (laughs) 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 Um, We did. Look, I grew up pretty rough. I guess at least your your eldest doesn't need a car seat. My eldest doesn't, but he needs a slight smidgen of room for his frame to exist between two <laughs> bulging, safe and secure <laughs> bubble vessels either side of him, which most most, most cars don't afford that. So that was a big so it's so true. I kept my current car. I'm like, no, we're just getting like from A to B, up. like whatever. Kids have been through worse, but I did have an accident parked car came out of nowhere and <laughs> she happened. was tired <laughs> oh god how does anyone manage to drive with kids in the car is beyond me the fact that we can be uh, passing them snacks talking nowhere. singing songs doing the windshield wipers anyway so I had to look for a new car and that was a big thing for us which was finding a back seat with enough room Subaru Outback 2014 oh, really? seemed to be the one that everyone like suggested that seemed to be able to fit that. You can also get smaller car seats. But, yeah, that was something we did have to purchase. But that was more because of the parked yeah, that car that John exactly. <laughs> Which Illy's like, thank you. Now my body can like unfurl for the morning on my ride to school. Yeah, he's like, Mom, I wish you crashed into that car <laughs> earlier. Pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I can't think of anything else. Like uh, for me, the big expenses come later, you know, yeah. when they're into Santa Cruz and Nike and Adidas so and like that, that brand of scooter and like, yeah, I'm just like hand-me-downs, marketplace. I'm not big on a lot of things and new things mm. and like use the toys you have, go to a toy library. Yeah, I don't. Don't introduce them to berries. Don't ever put $2 <laughs> in those cars Never. that wiggle at they the thing. Honestly, They're broken I all just, the time. The fun is sitting in a car. Only very recently Harvey saw someone else's wobble and he was like, what? I want to do that. I'm like, I don't, I don't really know how they did that. No. That's scary. <laughs> so... Look, we know it's 2023 and we're Mm. aware that girls and boys can be and do as they wish, but do you think that parenting boys is different to parenting girls? Um, Yeah, look, I can't be super ignorant and say, no, every child is just this, you know, organic blank slate and society puts all these things upon them which lead them down these paths. I think that's true to an extent and I think I've been shown both things on my parenting journey. When I had my first boy, I was quite adamant that like I would equal opportunity, introduce him to toys, to colors. I wouldn't be strict in how I approached gender. And I did notice that he naturally was drawn towards more things that were traditionally male. He, None of my kids are like big like Vroom, car, like things mm. like that going around the house, but they all definitely are drawn more towards like trains, balls, Lego, that kind of thing. My toddler now, the three-year-old, will like go into an op shop and I'll be like pick a toy and, you know, one day he'll pick a doll, another day it's like a plastic plate he thinks is the greatest thing in the world. So, yeah, I don't – I feel that definitely like how I raise them is going to have to be and is with the awareness of wanting them to be – good men in the world I need them to not only be and for me my number one like parenting value and what I would hope for my kids is for them to be emotionally 
whole, like that is probably my greatest Mm -hmm. wish for them. So I need that. I want them and hope to give them that, but also need them to be really good people for those around them. And obviously like cannot not talk about the culture that we've all grown up in, which is quite heavily slanted patriarchal and can be derogatory towards women and misogynistic and all of those things. So they are really important to me. It's a conversation I have with Jackson often where I'm like, I really need us to be so careful about what we are role modeling for them because I know that is the biggest impact of that for them is what they see us in our relationship in the way that Jackson talks about women because like we grew up in Byron, Jackson and I, there's a lot of kind of jargon, it's ladsy, it it can be heavily sarcastic and jokey but there is that undertone of being a bit putting people down and women especially Mm. not saying that Jackson does that or feels that but I'm like we just need to be really mindful and when we all get together because we do we get together in big groups and they can hear things and I'm Mm. like I just it's it's not good enough to go hey guys you've got to really respect women like make sure you respect yeah, women and are really you. nice to women, but like yeah. you've got to show them that. Yeah. And so that to me is obviously something that I need to do differently to if I had girls. But in saying that, like I'm very, I guess, more modern in my approach of like I'm trying to let them be whatever type of male they're naturally drawn towards being. I think for Jackson that's a bit harder. He lives in more rigid lines still. He, I think, feels a bit confronted by my oldest not being naturally drawn towards getting out there and kicking a footy. Yeah. Um, and he feels confronted by my three-year-old wanting to wear his favourite at the moment is a red tutu that yeah. his daycare gave mm. him to take home because he loves wearing it. We were going to my sister's soccer match the other night and I could hear Harvey and Jackson trying to get ready in the room and Harvey's like no I want to wear my red tutu and Jackson's going no no you can't wear that and I walk in and I'm just like he can absolutely wear yeah. that you'll put that tutu on him yeah. right now and like, you'll deal with the discomfort he's gonna wear yeah. that and Jackson was like oh he may as well I'm, I feel bad because he'll be like not his finest turning moment but he was no, like but well, it's a lot do of you want to put a bra people. on him too you know <laughs> and I'm just like absolutely but that's this that's, is, this is not, conversations that are happening in the home it's like, reality you know we wish that everyone but yeah yeah it was a shock to yeah. me though because I was like what like yeah. are you not as progressive as I kind of assumed everyone had become but like people are not there yeah. and I get it I get it it I get that it is a thing you have to think about and probably get your head around. But to me, I'm like, it's just common sense. But sometimes you can also in your mind go, yeah, theoretically I'd be comfortable with that. But then when actually in practice it happens, sometimes it is harder to be comfortable with. Well, he he wore just quickly the tutu the next day to a kid's birthday party. And I, no joke, reckon I had to have the conversation with three to four people about the fact that he was wearing a tutu. And what did people say? I was exhausted by the end of it. That's so cute. What would you do if Illy wanted to wear one or... um, because he's did 10. He, did, yeah, because he's 10 because it's yeah. different. Oh, he's now trying on those little high heels, like, oh, like just making comments like, oh, what, like is he, you know, do you think he's, yeah, is he a they, them? I had a lot of those oh, comments. Wow. Are we calling him they, them? Like joking, but I'm like... The dude is obsessed with ride on mowers. He can't wait to drink beer. He asks me if every <laughs> single person has a vagina and if they wee out of it and can he touch it and oh does it have gosh. hair on it? Like, do I need to show you that he's showing signs but of also being like, who, no, but all yeah. but then and that's so this is the combo I had all day. Like, 
also, who cares? Also, he's so young. Like, why would he not be yeah. interested in a beautiful red tutu? Every three-year-old would be. Yeah. Like bright or glittery, like You'd, what you'd, you mean he's drawn towards that over the grey, yeah. like, jersey shorts? The slacks. Wow, imagine. Yeah. It was yeah. just, I was a bit shocked. I was like, oh, I can't believe I'm actually having to have this combo so many times. Like, I didn't think it would be that big a deal. Mm. So as the only woman slash female mm. in, the house, in the house, how do you go with the the boy energy? Do you feel it? Well, I've never not. I don't know what it'd be like <laughs> to be in a house with all women. I but like you have friends with girls. Yeah, is there friends, a difference? Okay. And for example, my husband Harry, he is surrounded by women, mm. and it's not just his four girls in his house. It's the mm. dog. It's his mum. It's his sister. It's his niece. He yeah. is surrounded by women, and that is. He admits he gets overwhelmed. He feels like he is like completely shut out from a different gender and different world and at times he has to actually leave the property and yeah. get some headspace. Yeah, and I feel like, and she won't mind me saying this, and I feel it's one of those things you can't say nowadays, but as I said, my best friend has three boys. Her youngest is like six months old, so is he showing boy energy? Mm. No. But their house is different to our house. Mm. She has to, like, exercise her children like you mm. would a dog. Do you know what I mean? Like, she has to be mm. like, how am I exerting their energy today? They wrestle. Like, my girls, yeah. like, yeah, they might hit one another when we're not looking, but they don't wrestle. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, she really, it is, it's different. And yeah. I don't know if it's just her boys and just my girls, but No, I'm sure like what you're speaking to is a verifiable fact and I'm sure yeah. that is a thing. Like I said, the two boys that could be exerting boy energy, my one-year-old is, yeah, we'll see. But the two older ones like are quite different. So my middle child is far more that kind of boy energy. He loves a wrestle, is always kicking a ball, has unbelievable energy. My oldest could happily sit inside all day and wouldn't, mm. you know, notice difference. But yeah, there is um a lot more a lot more physicality, a lot less what I think I've seen in other households and with little girls can be a little bit of like I don't want to I don't know how to say this without offending myself and like women in general, but like uh overthinking of things mm. and maybe a little bit more cattiness, whereas I feel like boys are quite quick to kind of be in it and be out of it. Mm. I grew up like I have two sisters, but growing up I always had male friends. I love that kind of male energy. I really love like Dick. not ta- <laughs> fucking loving, love not taking things as seriously. Yeah. Like this is all stereotype, but like joking. No, I get what you mean. I have two brothers, and sometimes I found it hard because I was like, shit, that hurt. Yeah, <laughs> but like just over things so quickly. Whereas yeah. my friends who had sisters, it was carries on. Yeah, yeah there's grudges. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's no grudges in the house, and it's quick. And yeah, I uh, yeah, I love boy energy. I guess so it does suit me well but um yeah we'll, we'll see what happens with three well I'm like the teenage years is going to be a whole new kettle of fish you well, know aren't they for all of us Mike? yeah I think, I think we'll have a but I think the differences for, for will probably be more crystallized for all of us then you know wonder, after puberty I wonder also how that uh, it would be interesting to see as Rolly gets a bit older and kind of fights back I oh, guess yeah. you're probably excited for the time that he can fight back oh, yeah. <laughs> but I wonder oh, he's got it coming for him I wonder what that difference is 
with Illy and Harvey's age gap. Like, mm. you know, Illy probably doesn't feel like he can fairly fight I want back. him to, to be honest. Like, yeah. Harvey's done things to him. I'm like, push him off you. Like, yeah. use your body to stop what's happening to you. You are allowed. But yeah. it's just not his nature. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I just wonder if they were toddlers together, yeah. how it would have been. I mean, you'll never know. That's no. not the reality of your family. Anyway. Yeah. And I think getting back to um, not the gender, the actual temperament and the characteristics mm. of the child is really what it comes to play because my youngest is the fireball. She's the Harvey in our house. She yeah. is just, you cannot reason with the child. It's her way or the highway. We have tried multiple things to get her to do, you know, like we're just like, where are we at? We've had that conversation. Do we need to get her checked out? Mm. She's just high energy high functioning. She thinks she's the boss. She is already onto blackmailing me when I'm asking her for a simple, like, can you pass me toilet paper? Oh, well, I'm only going to get you that toilet paper if you get me this thing at Christmas. Oh. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Go and get me the toilet paper. Kids these days. Who do you think the audacity. Oh, can you imagine us ever saying I'm that? I'm trying to wipe my ass now. Go and get me the toilet paper. Oh. Don't make me do that awkward run down the hallway that we all <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today, La. We have been so excited to chat to you and we are so excited about Behind the Bump so when it launches early next year. Keep an eye on our socials for that. We are actually having a bit of a break now and we'll be back with our first episode back next year on the... I want to say 30th of January, whatever the me, whatever the me, whatever the Tuesday is, we'll be back with our regular Beyond the Bump episodes and the Behind the Bump episodes will be launching every Thursday shortly thereafter, but keep an eye on our socials and we can't wait to hear what you think about our new series. And if you don't like it, good fucking on ya. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys. Yep. Can't wait to be in your ear holes. Lots more bumpies. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on ya. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.